Head Hooks, welcome into the Irish NFL show. We're getting closer to the season and we're continuing our divisional previews. Michael McQuaid here, delighted to be joined uh, with the four compadres, Colm Cronin, Brian O'Leary and Mark Cockerell. We'll rearrange this order a wee bit here. Um, lads, first off, welcome into the show. Uh, before we start off, uh, we're presented by Cassidy Travel, Ireland's number one travel agent. You can check out Cassidy Travel, search Cassidy Travel on your search engine and check out the NFL deals that they currently have on at the moment as well. Um, and we're also presented by NFL Game Pass. Check the link in the YouTube bio and podcast bio to watch up to 270 non-blackout games this season with NFL Game Pass. You can sign up free until the end of the month. The link is in the bio. Sign up if you can, folks. You can watch some football. NFC West, everyone feeling good for a start, Colin? Colin, feeling good? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the NFC is maybe not quite at the same level as the AFC, but it is intriguing nonetheless. Is the Super Bowl champion coming from the NFC, bro? You want me to spoil my uh, spoil my pick already in advance of our season preview show? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is for me. Yeah. Jesus, uh, Mark, I can't believe the Seahawks are winning the Super Bowl, according to Brian. <laughs> uh, Brian, Brian likes the full loyal hope. That's why he uh, survives as a Giants fan. Um, look, it's 50-50 shot, but it's arguable the, le- the worst three divisions in the NFL all come from the NFC when you look at the overall strength of the division. I mean, some would throw the AFC East down there as well, I know, but uh, uh, definitely it's a rare occurrence when we can say probably, uh, certainly with the off-season drama, the AFC has been more intriguing than the NFC, which hasn't always been the case in recent years. Yeah, and a big thanks to everyone that has watched our AFC previews. We are going to talk about the Rams in a wee second, but if you are listening on the podcast, please do give us a like, subscribe, YouTube, etc. And you can find these on YouTube, all the other divisions. Uh, let's kick it off. We're going to talk, Colm, about the Rams. The LA Rams had a decent enough season last year. They ended up winning the Super Bowl in their home stadium against the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, we were talking, um, I think I was talking to you, or maybe so, I think it was, you were, we were talking at the weekend about... The fact that the Bengals basically, you could argue they were very close to winning that game and so fine, and then certain things happened. But the Rams went last year and they went in the strategy in terms of where they put a lot of capital into players. In this offseason, they have brought Aaron Donald on to an extended deal. As At the time of recording, can we just speculate this? At the time of recording, Odell Beckham is no longer on the team. But your favourite wide receiver, Alan Robinson, has come in. Uh, and Andrew Whitworth has, at the time of recording, retired. So um, it's an interesting year because the NFC West, and we'll talk about each team in a second properly, but for the Rams, it sort of seems like the status quo because the teams around them in that division in my opinion, and maybe you disagree with me, have not massively upgraded. Uh, well, firstly, delighted to see my Free Chicago 1 campaign had reach a successful conclusion and uh, w- wondering will there be somebody else around the league that uh, I'll have to start a similar campaign for. But Alan Robinson has deserved uh, this. Uh, it's been a long time coming and he should be in for a good year. 
I, I think the Rams are really interesting, right? Because we all saw them win the Super Bowl. They went all in. We know about the memes um, and apparently the, the mug um, that Les Needs kids got him for, for Christmas. And we saw them lift the Lombardi. We saw from the stage, run it back was the chant. But then apparently Sean McVay and Arnold Donald both seriously it maybe who knows considered retirement they were going to walk away um it's been a weird one for kind of people maybe walking away or taking time out we'll come to that a little bit later perhaps um Aaron Donald has had his own um interesting um happenings during the the preseason they have Kevin O'Connell has moved on though look Sean McVay was always the the play caller and Evero has moved on to to the Broncos so Definitely, there is some some change. Von losing Von Miller, um, but they bring in Bobby Wagner. I like that in terms of the the leadership. Uh, to me, the Rams will definitely be there or thereabouts. Though it's going to look a little different to last year. Yeah, it does have a bit of a different feel for me. I look at the offense, um, particularly around the offensive line. So Corbett is gone, and all, all the talks around Whitworth, he's gone. And Note Boom is going to come in and replace him. And then they have another player coming in who has a little experience in the league who's going to replace the right guard who's also stepped away. So straight away, there's two changes to an offensive line, which has been quite consistent. And Robert Woods, albeit he got injured in November, um, he's been traded to the Titans, so he's gone. Alan Robinson's come in. Odell Beckham, as you said, at the time of recording, I don't think Odell, Odell Beckham will end back will end up back in the Rams. I think that's that ship has sailed. I think it's too late in the day. And again, he's still injured. So right now, even if they did pick him up, he wouldn't be playing come week one. And they have some rookies from last year that they're expecting big things from. And there's been quite good reports coming out of training camp that they're going to step up and make the market. I think that that that's needed because uh, Van Jefferson is a good wide receiver in his own right, but I, I felt in the Super Bowl when Odell Beckham went out of game. That he didn't step up. There was balls where the ball was intercepted, and there was a few plays that he didn't. He didn't step up the mark, and he was he was inconsistent last year, and he was inconsistent in his first year. So I'm not entirely sure that the the Rams are convinced by him, and which kind of goes to the point around the other three rookies uh, from last year that they feel are going to step up. So for me, yeah, look, they're still a, a very strong team, and you'd argue they're going to go back to back in terms of winning the division, and. Main going into the playoffs and having a strong push to go to the Super Bowl, but I still feel there's a bit of change. But we've seen that in the past for teams that have changed, they've evolved, and they've come back even stronger the final season. So I don't expect it more than the Rams having a really strong season. Um, the uh, Rams might be the Gwyneth Paltrow team. Well, remember the film Sliding Doors? And there are plenty of sliding doors moments in last year's playoffs. The Rams nearly were 27 and 3 being taunting them like 28 and 3 when they nearly went out to the Bucks and that game against the 49ers Jarkey's tart dropping the easiest interception probably of all times um one or two things go the other way and we're not talking about them as Super Bowl champions we're talking about them as blowing it in the playoffs again and of course you could say that every team has those moments but it was particularly prominent I felt with this Rams team last year they got hot at various times they obviously got through a very tough playoff schedule and sled but it could have so easily gone wrong but when things really mattered and I'm thinking of third and one stopping Perrine and then fourth down and getting hold and dragging Joe Burrow left and right you relied upon the most important player who is not a quarterback in the NFL and that is and has been Aaron Donald he is the best player who is not a quarterback in the NFL and has been probably for many years so 
as Colm alluded to, all the rumors about him thinking about retiring seriously, potentially moving away from the game, securing him coming back transforms any team, and especially this Rams team. So that was key. Bobby Wagner coming in, I, you know, the inter divisional rivalry is going to be uh, strong there. I think he's going to be particularly fired up for those Seahawks games more than anything. Um, but as well, you know, they return back so much key people. McVeigh still being there. Stafford, who in fairness, we doubted him, but he stepped up in the moments when it really mattered. The 40-yard bomb to Cup in the Tampa Bay game. And of course, the no-look pass in the Super Bowl. So if he grows from there, bear in mind it's only his first year working with McVeigh, working that offensive system. Who knows? Maybe they can go back and repeat once more. Um, but, you know, sliding doors moments could easily the season could go a different way for them but they are still to me the strongest uh position the strongest team in this division although we'll talk about some of the others who might challenge them for that title this year very strong almost as strong as mark's internet which uh I'm not fixing on this stream or this podcast, so hopefully he stays on. Uh, in terms of the Rams, lads, and it's a pity because I was going to say that I was going to talk about the pre-recorded nature of these divisional previews and the fact that uh, we did the AFC East prior to that final Patriots uh, preseason game, which was good fun. And here's Mark back again. Welcome in, Mark. How are you? Um, I was just saying, Mark, it's, it's a pity about the whole pre-recorded nature of these divisional previews because... I would have loved to have talked about Mac Jones after that last preseason game. We'll talk about that uh, on Thursday night before the season starts. Um, I, I think, you know, I don't want to give any picks away. This is the best team in the NFC by a country mile. It's a bit like watching Formula 1 at the minute and seeing Max Verstappen 15 seconds ahead of Carlos Sainz or Charles Leclerc or his own teammate. And he hasn't even got the he hasn't even got DRS on. Um, <laughs> they've got the best, they've, well, they've one of the three best quarterbacks in the conference. They've got the best head coach. They've got the best defensive player, the best defensive back. They've got game-breaking players or game-changing players in every position on that team. There hasn't been a repeat champion since 2005. It could happen this year. Um, there are, you know, p- people talk about there being question marks around this Rams team in the sense of you've got certain positions sometimes that aren't filled. Like, for example, the whole situation with Andrew Whitworth. They give, um, is it, Joe Noteboom, a $40 million uh, extension. There's massive pressure on him this year. I just I just don't f- see how this team does not get back to the NFC title game. They're in a division where the 49ers are <laughs> they're gambling on a rookie quarterback who could, be, who, who could be incredible, but they're gambling on him as it stands. The Seahawks are a joke. And the Cardinals, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury shouldn't see the year out personally um, I think Alan Robinson takes him over the line again if they somehow find a way to bring in Odell Beckham again I do think he might at the time of recording go to Buffalo I mean we're, we're talking about a serious unit here and I feel that they're the best team in the NFC by a country mile um, it would be interesting to see if they got to the Super Bowl again if they could go up against a team in that stacked AFC conference but I just feel like they're too good and um, obviously not having Von Mitter could be a massive issue for them. He was a massive part of their postseason last year. Uh, their defensive front can you know dominated in games last year. They have to find a way now to maybe take Aaron Donald even more up to that next level. But look, um, I haven't even mentioned Jalen Ramsey. You know, it's if I was a Rams fan, 
and if I was a member of the LA Rams organization, I'd be looking at my division and quite frankly looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who we'll talk about in a different preview, and 40 whatever year old now Tom Brady and his his offensive line and who he has and Aaron Rodgers and the situation there and the fact that he's got nobody to throw the ball to that he really trusts. He'll never admit it. Um I'm 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 sitting I'm sitting sweet. I'll sit Matthew Stafford. I'll have a bit of crack with him for a few weeks, and I'll get to December, and I'll start taking the season seriously. A bit like Dublin in the National League, Brian, and that worked out very well for him this year. So sorry, I have to do that. What I would say is, uh, we talked about changes, but come come September the eighth, sixteen of the twenty-two players that were involved in the Super Bowl will be on the field in Week One, and that's that's great plus for them to have that many players returning. I'm interested to see how Justin Hollins gets on. He's going to be the one who's stepping into Von Miller's shoes. He was there last year. They're expecting big things from him. They haven't gone out and brought you know externally and brought anybody else in to replace Von Miller, and they're going to give the, that job to him. So the pressure's on him to step up and I know we talk about how great Aaron Donald is but Von Miller during those playoffs last year really stepped up and it became a, you know, a bit of a collaborative approach in terms of getting to the quarterback um, so I'd be interested to see how that goes um, yeah. very, very strong words on the Seahawks sorry Mark very strong words the poor Seattle fans have stepped in to watch this uh, NFC West preview and probably shutting down their computers after five minutes with, with Michael saying they're a joke so I do feel sorry for the poor Seahawks fans I know I, I we'll, we'll talk about the Seahawks, but I do have reasons for that, and I'd like, um, I don't know any Seahawks fans there. Michael Lavery not in our master. Michael, I'm sorry, and Brian, have you something to say? I'm sorry, I keep getting like three years on. I'm getting Brian and Mark mixed up. Mark, have you anything to say here? Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm Mark. Hi, hi, Michael. Good to see you. Um, no, I was just going to say, I, I think with all of our four comments, I think we're both we're pretty much aligned on the fact that we feel that the Rams are going to make a better fist at trying to retain their title than Tyrone did uh, in the All Island this year. So that's that's all. The team we're going to talk about next, the Cardinals. Yeah, and I think it actually. Sometimes when you look back in your head at last season, you almost feel like the 49ers finished second in the NFC West because of the fact that they were sitting how, how long to get to the Super Bowl or how far away from the Super Bowl. You know, it's, and we'll talk about the Niners in a minute, Colin, but you know, hold on. Oh yeah, they're not playing Jimmy Garoppolo this year, even though they got to the NFC Championship game in, 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 in LA. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Cardinals, Kyler Murray um, was in Toys R Us and wasn't getting what he wanted and he done what I done when I was five. He he got down on the ground and he lay on the ground and he cried and he cried and he cried and he cried a bit more and he got what he wanted. He got his contract. So as Brian said the other as Brian said the other night in Dublin, the buck stops with him, Steve Staunton style. The buck stops with Cliff Kingsbury and this Kyler Murray team. Um, do you can you see that there being any way in which they can win the NFC West with the Rams being so stacked, especially when. Last year they went seven and zero and then completely, completely wrecked the bed. I, I don't want Mark Hogan to turn the computer off. So if you can try and give us some positivity about the Cardinals, I'd really appreciate it right now. Well, I, I now want to know what clause Mammy and Daddy McQuaid inserted for for you to get your own way because obviously it was that's a Spider Man outfit to be fair enough. So that's that's what we saw with, with Kyler. He he got the contract, but it had that clause, and. Um, Look for for the Cardinals. It comes down to is is it the team? Mike, you mentioned the seven and all start. Is that are they closer to that 
or are they closer to the the team that lost uh, five of their last six, including that lopsided playoff collapse, which you know I I, I keep referring to in the Manning cast and the way in which those uh, three Super Bowl winning QBs talked about Kyler Murray. I, I think you know if you were if you're looking at at the Cardinals and and you want some optimism, it's the fact that they have improved every year on under Cliff Kingsbury or their overall record. Um, but what keeps happening is they keep having the collapse in the second half of the season. So you know the feelings around them are, are never good going into the year. But the end of the six year playoff drought. And I suppose I, I'm, what will be interesting is they got Zach Ertz um, last year and they got Trey McBride from Colorado State, who was probably the top tight end prospect in um, the, the draft. I'm wondering, um, you know, are we going to see more two tight end sets? They're going to lean more into that. Um, that will be something to, to keep an eye on. But I think there are all sorts of questions around this uh, Arizona Cardinals team. Well, we're, we're talking about the West, and actually, if you look at the other three teams, and we've discussed the offensive line with the Rams and how that's going to evolve and have two changes. The 49ers have a lot of changes ahead of them, and Seattle will come to for some strange reason. They've finally decided this is the year, and we still bulk up on offensive line when their when their star quarterback is is moved on. Um, but for the Cards, this offensive line four to five are returning, and they've they've brought in the. Uh, uh, Hernandez from the Giants, who on his day is, is a really reasonably good right guard. So the security for Kyler there in the sense that he, ha- he he's comfortable what he has in front of him. You look at the players they have, I think D Hop, unfortunately, now he's gone for six games. That doesn't help the situation. But AJ Green was quite good last year, more to the second round. He, sorry, the second year wide receiver now. He was really flashy last year, which kind of you could see why they were moving on with Cork, moving away because he could step in and do a similar role. And then you've got Zach Ertz, they brought him in so the, last year, late on. They have the players. But something just, as you said, they start off well, things seem to be going really well, and then just, just drop off. And you're, you're talking about Claus, I don't know which one, you know Santa Claus is coming. And they just seem to find ways to give presents to every other team in the league when they're playing them and they lose these games. Defensively, big loss, Chandler Jones going to the Raiders. And there's a lot of question marks on the team, secondary. Question mark the linebackers question mark. There's two first round linebackers playing from and both of them have struggled in Collins and Hernan or sorry, Collins and Simmons so far. So I just just too many question marks. I, I see a drop off this year. I don't see them back in the playoffs, unfortunately. And um, I think they'll win some games. We entertained to watch high scoring games, and we'll probably have many a Monday show where we we'll say that was great from Kyler Murray, that was disappointing, and he's erratic one week and he's great the next. But for me, consistency wise, I just don't see it in the playoffs. And I think if we're talking about hot seats, I think Kingsbury is one that should be. I know he's got the contract, but mm-hmm. in 12 months' time, I could see a scenario where he's not the, not the head coach anymore. Jeez, I'm just thinking, Brian, you're trying to give Cardinals fans room for optimism, and you're alluding to the fact that they have a Giants O-line reject, which doesn't really give anybody any optimism, I would say, if you're relying upon the Giants O-line at any point, including the players that are no longer on the team. Um, I think it's fascinating how the Cliff Kingsbury project, shall we say, is adapted to the NFL, and there have been moments of brilliance. There have been moments of brilliance from Kyler Murray uh, at various times. And in fairness, and we've got to say this, guys, half the teams in the NFL, if they could get Kyler Murray tomorrow, they would take him. The problem for Cardinals fans is the other half wouldn't take him because they would see him as a downgrade on what they already have. And the cards were left in the state uh, position where they had no choice, but they had to give him the money. There is no other option when you consider also what they've done in terms of back-to-back first-round picks back and you know, throwing away the chosen Rosen to go with Kyler Murray and uh, reunite him. 
with Cliff Kingsbury. Um, they were left with nowhere to go. But whenever you have a contract, as Columns alluded to, with a clause that says your QB, your franchise leader, your star, has to commit to a certain amount of uh, of um, a video time, of uh, you know tape time, uh, and also, oh, we got rid of that clause. All is good. No, no. The fact that you had the thought to put that in in the first instance is exactly what the problem is, and exactly what the concern is. There is a bit of noise about well who leaked that and how did that go out bear in mind every contract has to be submitted to the nfl they have to check it for salary cap purposes obviously in relation to incentives likely to be earned incentives not likely to be earned so it's wide knowledge within the league office at that point and as we've seen in past anything in the league office generally gets known uh, to anyone in the media at the same time so frankly it was always going to leak it's caused the schism in that regard but it's also just so disappointing in the first instance they've had to put that in um colin makes a great point about the two tight end set maybe kingsbury can revitalize the offense you think about how his entire offensive scheme is based on opportunities in the run game, getting Kyler Murray on the move, making mismatches, making people misdirect at various times. Doing that from a two tight end set, relying more on play action is much more viable and much more opportunistic uh, to be able to do. But are they really set up to lead? Are they really set up to, to dominate? As the guys have pointed out, it's, it's hard to see that pathway back in the same way. Um, Kyler Murray will have to play lights out. He'll have to make up for the absence of DeAndre Hopkins for six games. And I'm with the guys. I can't see that happening, especially not with the challenges they're going to have with the 49ers, who I'm not going to write off, and the Rams in the same division. Right. Um, optimism. Optimism. The Super Bowl's in Arizona this year. Oh, please God, we'll be there. Um, they play the Seahawks twice. They've got a reliable wide receiver in AJ Green. And Kyler Murray is a very adaptable, speedy, and exciting quarterback to watch. Kyler Murray covers up the numerous structural flaws in this team. Kyler Murray, as Marcus just mentioned, needs to play lights out for this team to have any chance this year. I would advise anyone before they turn the stream off or turn the podcast off to just Google the schedule that this team has this year. They obviously play the Niners and the Rams twice, and they then play the AFC West. I've got Cliff, I've got Cliff Kingsbury being fired before Halloween, and Colm knows all too well what Vance Joseph is like as a head coach, and even as a temporary stopgap. And I, I think this could be a seriously, seriously poor season for this cut for for this Cardinals team regardless in terms of how Cliff King regardless of how um Kyler Murray plays um I just feel as if there's not enough pieces in the jigsaw to make it work and I mean like DeAndre Hopkins is gonna miss the first eight weeks as well they're not winning games against certain AFC West teams they're not. It's not. Go- I mean, they start the they start the season off against the Chiefs, for example. It's not happening. I, I just don't see how they're going to beat AFC West teams with the talent that they have in their rosters, and they're going to struggle against the against the Niners and the Rams. Uh, and 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 I do think this is the year where they're not going to go seven and zero. And I feel as if Steve Kine will get to mid to the end of October and, and pull the plug. Um, and I think questions will then need to be asked, and the and the pressure will continually and rightfully go on Kyler Murray 
there has to be a reason why his contract did state that about the whole video why why would that even be an issue like why would you give somebody a contract if you don't fully trust someone so um they're not about 14 months ago i would have said well they've got a chance to get into the super bowl now i'm like no they're they're nowhere near but i will agree with what colin said on Trent mcbride uh, he looks really really exciting but again you need so many more pieces for this to work it just feels like while Murray has like that ability to carry a roster almost, he just can't do it for 18 plus four to five weeks. He can't do it. So he may have a decent enough start. I just can't see how they would, provided that they play the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the, the Rams first three weeks. Uh, but if he did, eventually by week seven, week eight, it'll all fall apart. Michael, I think that there is one point of optimism. You kind of half allude to it with 50 odd super bowls where the home team never won the super bowl and now the last two years we've had tampa win the home stadium the rams win the home stadium so if you're a cards fan you're saying like i mean it's destined to be this is a pattern that will continue on um but the other thing that strikes me is maybe you've got onto something there about firing cliff kingsbury because the kingsbury swoon at the end of the season is well documented we alluded to it on the, the show before last year you know every Going back into college days, Texas Tech, his teams fall off a cliff after a while. Is that coaching? Is that conditioning? Who knows? But it's a de- very defin- definitive and discernible pattern. So if you fire him after about 10, 11 games, you probably get the best of him, and then you avoid the swoon at the end. So that maybe that's the way to, to guarantee the upside and get the best out of the season. Who knows? Maybe, maybe that's uh, a strategy that, uh, as you say, Steve Kimes uh, planning already. I just wanted to make a point on the contract. I know, like, I, I don't just agree. Like, they put in this stipulation around the additional study, and he, he suggested he didn't need to be doing it in the first place. So, because he knew all, he knew the playbook inside out. But what, 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 what position were they in? What, what could they do? Like, people are saying they shouldn't give him the contract. Like, where does that lead him in twelve months' time? In a situation, if he has a great season, he's going to be naming a price which is far greater than what they've, they've reached agreed, or else they'll have to trade him. And then there will be teams, that, like Marcus alluded to, there's, as you said, as many teams in the league that would take him tomorrow, never mind next half season. So I think they were put in a position where he had no choice but to give him the contract. And he's a hell of a player. And his potential, his ceiling is, is huge. But you can't have a... I personally think it is, but you can't have a great quarterback and a mid-average, you know... And I'll say what position. Like The team for me isn't, isn't full. But there is another team that we're going to talk about now, the 49ers. Column 10-7 and 7 last year got to the NFC Championship game. And they weren't far off beating the Rams in, they call it Levi South now, apparently. Um, an interesting offseason. And there was obviously whispers and comments made even beforehand about the future of Jimmy Garoppolo. At the time of recording... Jimmy Garoppolo is still with the San Francisco 49ers, so I'll make sure this one goes out first, lads. Uh, and obviously, if you are listening to this prior to this, maybe something has changed at the time of recording, he's still with the 49ers. Um, Colin, I understand that they have to go with Trey Lance at some point. Um, I remain to be convinced, but they're playing the Bears week one. So, you couldn't, you couldn't have a better start. Soldier Field, week one. First down. It should be sweet, isn't it? Um, 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm a massive Trey Lance fan. I think the I mean, if we're talking about potential, Trey Lance is infinitely more potential than Kyler Murray, um, because Kyler Murray's had it built around him, and he's gone to the playoffs once, and he got beaten up. Um, yeah, it's all potential though with Trey Lance. He has to show it, but uh, surrounded, um, you know, with Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Kyle Juszczyk. Though that list is basically, uh, you know, who's who of the elite talent. Each of those guys is is the or one of the best players in their positions in the league. The the roster is absolutely stacked. If those can stay fit, they will be there or thereabouts. I believe because I think Kyle Shanahan is an offensive genius. I think. The, a dropped um, interception away from getting to the Super Bowl last year. Um, I am interested to see how Ayuk uh, can get on. Can he finally kind of um, live up to, to his potential? It is all about Trey Lance, and it is about seeing life uh, after Mike McDaniel. He was joined at the hip to Kyle Shanahan for the best part of a decade, and he has obviously moved on. Uh, where you know that will be interesting to see. Uh, you know, can they operate without each other? Um, but they they knew what Jimmy G is capable of. I mean, yeah, everyone wants to talk about you know they got to a Super Bowl with Jimmy G, and then they put it in Jimmy G's hands, and he couldn't do it. It was there. It was his. He could have been the hero. It was all set. The stage was set for Jimmy G and he failed. He failed miserably. He didn't lead them to the promised land. What were they supposed to do? They had to move on. And uh, it's what what is funny is um, the world in the world of NFL. Go back to the spring. Oh, they will be happy to have two two QBs on the roster. Oh, yeah. No, they're delighted that, that this. No, they're not. Jimmy G will not be on the roster whether he's traded, whether he's cut. Um, that is the the nature of the, the business, but it is hilarious to see um, that they have to, you know, do the, the peacock moves and pretend. Um, I, I think they would have been, you know, they, purely on the basis of if Trey Lance was to get injured, but there's no way they're guaranteeing that salary. Let's, let's see. But for me, I, I, I just, I don't think, if you're a 49ers fan, I think your expectations should be sky high. I don't think they, there's an excuse in terms of Trey Lance being a first-year starter. Trey, it, the, with the way it has gone, we saw Patrick Mahomes as a first-year starter, saw what Jalen Hurts did with the Eagles, with what was around him. He, they should be there or thereabouts. Mac Jones as well, Brian. Just wanted to add to that list. Colin. He, he did bring a team to the wild card uh, to the playoffs and he's going to go so, a step yeah, further next year yeah. I know and it's going to be we'll, good we'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely see I'm going to jump back to the 49ers we've done the AFC so I don't think we need to be going on about how people feel about Mac Jones the love and hate divide here is, is clearly evident um, I think that the reason and I think we all know this the reason why this particular storyline the translate the late the Trey Lance storyline is such a hot topic is because Colin said it, this 49ers team should be challenging to go to Super Bowl. The expectations are there with the fans, you know, and when you get into that type of position, you expect a solid quarterback to be there. I can't recall, I'm trying to think back. Mahomes is probably a good example. I was thinking back to when Rodgers took over from Brett Favre into the 2008 season. They just got to the championship game. Favre had that interception to Corey Webster, which was a fantastic evening. Um, and then they stepped away and Favre retired initially and then went to the Jets. And Rogers was three or four years there, so it was kind of become very evident the time was now to being in Rogers, where Trey Lance was in the second year. So I'm not saying it's a rush situation. 
but it was very clear from the combine that John Lynch says, even back in February, no, we, we're moving we're moving in the direction of trade hands. But again, I touched on offensive line earlier on in this, this preview, and they've lost some players. Alex Mack is retired, and I know he's probably on the wrong end of his career, but he was a solid center to have. Lacon Tomlinson is going to be replaced for Aaron Banks, who has little or, or no experience in the NFL. He only played a handful of snaps last year. There's question marks on the offensive line with a, with a new quarterback. Mike McDaniel is gone, as Colin says. So again, is this offense going to fall back into Kyle Shanahan's hands? Defense is very, very solid. Secondary, very solid. There's nothing on the defense. They were tight. They're were toured last year in total defense so they're, they're solid and they brought in an edge rush from the second round called Drake Johnson which big teams are expected of him so I would expect this team was they have a lot of attack on the players on offense and you lose them Brandon Ayak I think is a big season for him Debo gets all the gets all the credits but he's a solid receiver and he needs to step up but for me it's more about the defense I think this defense can carry them if they are struggling offensively while they're waiting for the Trey Lance here welcome to the NFL moments to to come and maybe it'll come in week two when they play Seattle as opposed to when they play uh, the Bears in week one you know it, it used to be the case in the NFL and the, the 49ers actually were a good example of this that the GM was so aligned to the ownership and the ownership often almost managed and ran the clubs themselves you think back to the old days with the you know, Davies of this world uh, obviously we see a little bit of it still with Jerry Jones and the Cowboys but um, even in the 49ers ownership the Bartholomew family effectively Eddie T Jesus I just call him Eddie D it's easier basically controlling the team and the decisions around the team and the coaches um, were a very separate part to that um, and of course the 49ers had one of the greats of all time with Bill Walsh and the Hall of Fame and obviously some great legacy from that but we've evolved in the NFL and the ownership it's become a real triangle like ownership should and we'll get to the uh, commanders and ducals be completely separate and distinct from the GM who in turn is completely separate and distinct from the head coach you've got almost this perfect triangle of work there are some exceptions Bill Belichick of the Patriots is a prime exception of having more concentration of power and almost like a bifurcation with Robert Kraft but that triangle seems to be what NFL teams have tried to perfect the last while the 49ers started this trend of saying well hang on if this is the right triangle why are we picking a GM and then having them select the head coach or foisting a GM a head coach on a GM at a different time let's get them as a package together that's what they did with John Lynch and Carl Shanahan. We've seen it repeated in actually Minnesota recently. We've seen it repeated in New York, obviously with the Giants recently as well. So this has become a growing trend. And why they do this is because you look at the success. And Lynch and Shanahan have been poster boys for turning around a franchise. Yes, they had the Super Bowl run, but yes, they've made this into a perennial contender. They have a solid team. That's been a combination of working in sync together. But you look at this year. This year is going to be their tester more than anything. They've ridden the wave. They've ridden the honeymoon. They've ridden that wave of initial optimism. They rode the, the Super Bowl. People gave them a pass two years ago because of the horrible injuries they had. And then last year, of course, they made the NFC Championship game, despite Jimmy Garoppolo, not necessarily because of him. But this year, they do have challenges. They do have challenges in relying upon Trey Lance on the field and off the field. They have such salary cap concerns. It's unreal. They also don't have a first rounder next year for the first time since 1996, which is abnormal for this team who runs themselves generally very well off the field. So you look at that salary cap. Of course, they could fix it by trading or cunning Jimmy Garoppolo. That's going to be the key factor to try to clean up some of the mess. But I think 
what happens off the field with the GM and the coach and the pressure they're actually under is going to be one of the things that defines the 49ers season because it's the first time they're really going to feel the pressure. Even though they got those lovely extensions, again, joint extensions to run concurrently, they're wedded to each other. Um, that's where part of the challenge is going to be. One thing I'll say about the 49ers, they have a solid roster. Column has greatly alluded to all the talent they still have on offense. They are going to be there or thereabouts. I'm not necessarily conceding this division to the Rams straight off the bat. I think the Rams are very strong still, but the 49 is going to push them even with Trey Lance, because if they didn't believe in Trey Lance and we don't believe in Carl Shanahan's ability to develop Trey Lance, then fair enough, they're going to fail and they're going to, they're going to plummet. But actually I agree. He is an offensive genius, uh, a genius on offense. Offensive genius sounds like he's very rude to people. Um, but that is why I believe that they are still going to be very firmly in contention. But Jimmy Garoppolo is also going to be starting week one just for a different team in this division. I'm sorry, the Jimmy Garoppolo comment sort of caught me off guard there. There is no team in the NFL with more question marks than this team. And that is not a negative thing to say. It's the truth. We don't know how Trey Lance is going to play over the course of a season. He has shown many signs, especially last season and in preseason this year, of being a promising quarterback. But this is the equivalent of Shanahan and Lynch going into the bookies and putting the bet on. If this works out, they could win the Super Bowl lads. But they could also win five or six games. Like the Cardinals, and like every other team in this division, they're playing AFC West teams. They're going to have a difficult schedule. And they could go in and they could win all those games if it works out for them. Last year also, their defense took them to that NFC Championship game and they were unbelievable. Um, over a span of a certain amount of weeks, the lowest pressure rate in an individual game for that defense was 35.3%. And their actual highest they they got in a, in a game was 64.1% in terms of pressure, pressure in an offense. Uh, they're going to have a drop down this year. One, I'm not sure if anybody's mentioned him, Shavarius Ward. Bringing him in is going to be a massive one. I mean, he was to get him as a free agent is a real thing or a real positive thing for this team. And what Brian said about Alex Mack, I feel like that is a major negative for this team you can't expect a rookie to come in and take over alex max role both in terms of the amount of preparation off the field and on the field it's it's going to take an awful lot the whole situation with debo is interesting as well because he obviously wants to play in a certain way if they can allow him to be that dual threat that hybrid threat that gives him a different completely different element to this team but um I genuinely have no idea what to expect from this 49ers team. Um, they could be a team that, as I said, win five or six games. They could win the NFC West. Um, but I do feel that conversations need to be had because if, if Trey Lance does not play well this season over the course of 18 weeks, if he does not play well this season, how long do we give him? I think, I think he should have two or three years because they've been very forceful and rightfully okay rightfully so forceful to get him on the field so give him the time to develop because Josh Allen didn't have a good first full season and look where he is now in comparison to what in, in, in comparison to what he had the year after uh, it seems like a gamble it's a hell of a gamble to make in my opinion and fair play to them because this NFC in comparison to the AFC with the talent that they have 
which Colin has so rightfully mentioned, they it just it it's not mind boggling. It's just a bit weird. If you have if you've got a good quarterback that you can rely on, or go get one in that sense, go and win the Super Bowl. But there's a huge, huge, unusual situation here where I don't know what's going on with this team. And it's not it's not a bad thing. It's it's intriguing. I, I'm excited for the season. They will go 2-0 playing the Bears and the Seahawks first two weeks of the season. So Trey Lance, four touchdowns each game, 500 passing yards. George Kittle, two touchdowns week one. That's what I'm expecting from this team because uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go and ball out wherever he goes, boys. Seattle could have a nice quarterback for themselves. That'll be an interesting week too. Uh, my yeah. thing is, well, you're summing up in Sorry, Mark, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, Brian, just taking Michael's point on the schedule that step further, they start Bears, Seahawks, Broncos. They've got the Rams, fair enough. We know that's going to be a challenge. And then they've got Panthers, Falcons. Like five and one in that is not, it's not even unrealistic. I think it's actually more likely than not, to be honest with you, in terms of that. So they can start with a great degree of momentum. And I get your point about Alex Mack being missing and not relying on a rookie center. Two years ago, we were saying the same about the Kansas City Chiefs and Creed Humphrey. And he turned out to be the best center probably in the NFL at the moment. So, you know, we've, we've all got to project in relation to sometimes the impact of these draft picks, which at the moment we haven't seen them in a live, proper, fast speed, proper NFL game. So that's always the, the exciting thing of any new season, of course. And Brian, I was just going to say before you make your point, as long as Trey Lance is more reliable than, than Mark's Wi-Fi, we should be 100%. Yeah. For the, the, the gamble, as you call it, Michael, is is heightened. I would say, and the reason why you're asking why they're moving quickly with him as opposed to sticking to with a solid NFL quarterback. Let's bear in mind they moved up to three in that draft to get him. They gave away a number of picks, which Marcus alluded to, no number one pick next year again. So it's not just about a rookie who they took in the first round. It's the rookie they took in the first round at number three, along with all the picks they gave away to move up to be in that position to get him. So I, I would put that as the reason why they've had to make this move now. Because uh, I'm sure the owner is saying, you've given up the air here to get up to get this guy. He's going to be standing on the sideline for the second year. Can't have that. He needs to be playing. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I know that the Niners are going to do a lot of work in both Ireland and the UK this year. So it's going to be cool. Okay. Seahawks. Um, <laughs> I was lying in bed in Dublin overnight. Woke up the next morning seeing Geno Smith's QB1. Um, I mean, Pete Carl, Colin. Um, is he on the hot seat here? And, and how long do you give him? Because he had seven months to bring somebody else in. He had seven months to go after a backup for any other team. Like, look at the, the situation with Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky as a backup in Buffalo, who now goes to, who now goes to Pittsburgh. Just get someone that fits your system. What the hell's going on here? Does he not care, or what, what's what's the situation? It's I, I'm not going to go as much as you know. Obviously, like, there's there's certain situations with Bill Belichick at the minute, and you're thinking, would you not upgrade a couple of things here, or give yourself something to use? Pete Carl is in a situation where he doesn't have a quarterback here, <laughs> and you need to have a quarterback in this division to do anything. Surely. 
Well, it's it's interesting because um, you go back and after they traded away Russell Wilson, they said that they really liked Drew Locke coming out in the draft. And and then, you know, cut to last week and Adam Shine on CBS Sports Network called it the most embarrassing, saddest, pathetic quarterback competition of all time. I'd like to say as a Broncos fan, we had Trevor Simeon um, versus Paxton Lynch, not once, but twice. So good, they ran it back twice. I think that um, is is far worse. Um, it, look, uh, the only the only thing you could say, I mean, is um, Brent Flores said he was told to tank. This looks like a tank job, unless they bring in Jimmy G, and we don't know at the time of recording. You, you can't. Let, I, I've never understood that, like, after Drew Locke played in 2020. I got the hype coming out of college. I got it, he'd get 4-1 in, in season. But then he was starter in 2020, and he was bottom. He wasn't just 32nd. Uh, worst QB, right? He was below that. There were guys who came in who played six or seven games that season who were better. By every single metric, whether you go traditional metrics or advanced metrics, Drew Locke was horrific. He still somehow is in the league, and for some reason, Pete Carroll decided to run a competition between him and Geno Smith. Geno, who, you know, the earth is flat, Smith. Uh, Smith. Uh, it make it makes no sense, especially what 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 is even worse is they actually sent draft capital on the O line where Russell Wilson had been crying out for years for them to do that to get rid of Russ to have these guys at QB and and they finally sent some capital on the O line. Look, there's talent amongst the the wide receivers. It's impossible right now as we sit here to be optimistic for the Seahawks in 2022. You're, you're saying uh, it's Pete Carroll's fault. Um, there's another GM involved in this situation though. Like John Snyder is in the background there. It seems, the, the way that I've looked at it, it seems to be, and I'll, I'll, you know what, I'll just give you this point because I'm not going to make a point in this team. They traded away Russell Wilson uh, and haven't brought anybody in of any of any yet. Yet. Uh, they should trade away DK Metcalf to any other team in the NFL and get whatever they want and tank because it's like they're not tanking what's going on you know what, what's so going on? so at the start of this off season Seattle had 15 million in salary cap so they're in, they're in salary cap hell um, and they won't see the benefits of, of Russell Wilson moving off that that uh, pay structure until next season really and so for them to go and get Jimmy Garoppolo now and do that trade they would have to pay Jimmy G 26 million and I know we always talk about teams can huff and puff and they find ways to do magical numbers but the reality is they don't have enough money to pay Jimmy G but come two weeks time when Jimmy G gets released uh, he, they will because essentially then they can negotiate a one year deal with him and they'll get him on the cheap and uh, Mark suggested that Jimmy G will be the week one starter I'd say we trademark because what's going to be a strategic loop in the Niners is, and we, we heard this last week on a number of shows, is that they're going to hold fire until probably next week where he won't have enough time to be ready for week one. He certainly won't be ready to play against the 49ers in week two because that's not what they want. They don't want him coming back and, you know, going and beating them. Week three against Atlanta. And if they get him in, they'll have a, if they would have a strong season because they have players there. Metcalf, Lockett, Penny. Now, Fant was a great tight end up to last year. Now, he's, now all of a sudden, he's not a good tight end. I think he could do do well there. And Charles Cross in the first round. Um, Abraham Lucas, toured round offensive line. He's going to play immediately. Austin Blight, who's had a really good career across the number of teams in the NFL, is going to play in the offensive line. Three new offensive, three new offensive line, guys. Um, a very stacked defensive line. 
Um, Shelby Harris has come over. He's a good player. Puna Ford has had a good career. Al Woods has had a good career. Jamal Adams thinks he's the best safety in football. Quandre Diggs, uh, the Diggs Have family think they're the best team since Deion Sanders. Um, the cornerbacks is a problem. So Artie Bourne's from the Bears. He's horrific. And Kobe Bryant and... Um, God rest his soul. Um, unless it's the Kobe Bryant that we remember playing NBA, they could be struggling there. Um, but it's not Pete Carroll's fault, it's the GM's fault. But I think if any team's going to surprise us this year, it'll be Seattle. Um, they're certainly going to surprise us. I'm, I'm a bit surprised on this show already. I, I think I just heard from two Broncos fans going, they didn't bring anyone in a quarterback. You support a team that didn't bring anyone in a quarterback for five years, guys. So come on, calm and look down. At the resu- look this... at the results for that, Mark. We we, we know well, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that, that, I have, I have exactly. to say. Exactly. Look, this I is... Have to say, now, okay. the situation the Patriots fans are in, to say that comment now, like... I have been very vocal over the last five years, and Colm has also. It's a joke, and it looks like Seattle could be sitting there for a few years now, because Jimmy Garoppolo, let, let, I don't know. Let's see what happens. Sorry, Mark, it's, it's your moment, my bud. I, I, you're, you're right, uh, Michael. The Patriots are in the playoffs last year. The Broncos can't remember what that looks like. I know, we're in a terrible state. Terrible. Anyway, getting back to the Seahawks, which is actually what we're talking about. This is John Schneider, and this is uh, Pete Carroll's Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince moment. Because in many ways, what they're going is they're going boom, boom, shake, shake the room. This is tick, 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 boom. Brian's alluded to, look and listen to the amount of change that's going on. They are finally investing in the O-line. They are actually flipping their defense as well. They're shifting schematically, it seems, to a 3-4, which is going to be a big shift in terms of how they approach things. Maybe the days of the old cover three are gone. And Carroll is and inherently made his money in his market in USC and obviously in Seattle as being a defensive-minded coach. And he feels, obviously, that this is going to be the right time to evolve to that different schematic approach. I do believe the 49ers, as Brian alluded to, are strategically holding on cutting Jimmy G. I think Seattle are going to be waiting right in line and trying to encourage Jimmy G to say, hey, you know, go against your old team twice a year and this is going to be great. And frankly, it's going to be one of his few options left. So, you know. Do I think he will win that job over Geno Smith and Drew Locke? Absolutely. Do I think there's strength in the rest of the Seahawks roster? Absolutely. There's talent across that team. Can they gel in a cohesive fashion, especially if they're relying upon a flawed quarterback? Pick any one of the three I just mentioned. They're a flawed quarterback. Um, That's where I struggle to kind of have too much hope for them for the future and too much hope for them for this season. Again, let's consider who they're playing against. They're going up against Kyler Murray in the cards. We talked about their flaws, but it's still Kyler Murray and can do make anything happen. And they're going up against the 49ers and the Rams. And that's six of their games in the season before Michael as you get to the cross divisional games that this division plays against which won't be easy so it's a hard sled for Seattle this year especially if they don't address the quarterback position which I think they will do with Jimmy G and they probably will in the draft next year as well I'm calling a halt to any cross division or any talk I'm just going to make my point and then we'll get our picks and we'll read this up um, I do think Noah Fant's a good player and he's been on the show before as well uh, yes, yeah, so him and Shelby Harris are really good additions. I was really gutted when Shelby Harris, especially, was traded as part of the. I mean, luck well, Russell Wilson. Um, I blame both Pete Carroll and John Snyder for that decision. It's clear that there was something going on there. From it's, I mean, watch the last game that Russell Wilson had in Seattle, and they couldn't. I mean, it, the way that the schedule is now being set up, it's 
Like week one's going to be unbelievable in in Seattle. I, I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, and Mark, you you make a fair point there in terms of some divisional games. Sorry, some non-divisional games. Uh, I mean, they've got the Falcons, they've got the Lions, they've got the Giants. No offense, Brian. They've got the the Panthers and the Jets. I mean, let's see what happens. Uh, I think this is Pete Carl's last year in Seattle. Um, I don't care, but you know, they've clearly got talent around there, but for them to be sitting in a situation where he doesn't even try to go after a quarterback, forget about Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it's honestly unforgivable. When you trade someone like Wilson out and there's no clear development or clear plan there in that position, I don't know how you explain that to your city, never mind your players. So I think it's going to be a disappointing year for the Seahawks. And Colm, can you give me your picks for the NFC West, please? Yeah, um, I, I, I as we sit here today, uh, I'm, I'm going to say the, the Rams should win this division. Um, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if the, the 49ers were to take it. But I'm going to say Rams, Niners, Cards, Hawks. I'll walk my way bottom of Cardinals last uh, 49ers toward Seattle second and in the playoffs and the, Ram, the Rams to win the division on the basis on I'm the basis one. sorry Mark, on the basis Jimmy G is the quarterback come week three did that just happen did you say oh. the Seahawks are going to finish second and the, oh, sweet Jesus uh, Brian who have you or Mark who have you got I can't even take it can't even remember who I am, Michael. Jeez, um, I was actually <laughs> thought I was going to be the contrarian. I'm going to say I believe in Trey. I believe in uh, John Lynch and Carl Shannon. And the 49ers will take the division. Rams second, Cards third. And I don't share Brian's optimism, the Seahawks propping up the rear. Seahawks. Just having a quick look at that schedule, Michael. Sorry, Seattle. So Seattle start with week one, Broncos. That's... And not like they're going to be a defeat. Seahawks are home to the 49ers week two. I can see them winning that. They're playing the Falcons, which on this show, a number of times we've said they're the worst team in football. That's a win. Uh, the Lions at home, with all due respect to the Lions, that's very winnable. The Saints at home um, is winnable. And then they play the Cards, who, again, are inconsistent. They could easily be 4-2, and 3-3. Three and, three. and then they'll be well in with a chance in the... In the in the race. Anyway, this should this should get a, a this should get the tongues wagging when they watch this show. Yeah, Michael Lavery yeah, will be sending we, me we, Mike, Michael Lavery will be sending me uh, Easter eggs and Halloween bangers and you know Christmas crackers, everything. Yeah, it's 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 gonna, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, we've talked about this division for nearly an hour, which is funny because we spoke about certain divisions for like thirty minutes, and. Um, I, the one thing I will say is I think if there is a game they'll win this week one if they, they have the chance of winning it I'm saying if there was a crazy situation that happened Colin that crowd it's not going to happen I'm just saying if there was a crazy situation yeah, that happened yeah no the crowd would be up for it but we haven't even mentioned they, they also released Bobby Wagner and yeah is Bobby Wagner the player that he once was no but is Bobby Wagner a, a leader absolutely I mean that's the reason the Rams brought him in so to me you know that that's a huge uh, shift as, as well like I, they, uh, to me yeah let's see if they if the Garoppolo things happen if, if it does obviously that that will change it a bit but I still think um, they're they're for me 
yeah, there it's really it's a it's a weird year for for Seattle. And they'll be in Munich as well. Seahawks fourth, Cardinals third. Uh, but I actually have the Cardinals quite close to the Seahawks, and I've got the 49ers pulling away from both of them in second, and I've got the uh, Los Angeles Rams winning the NFC West comfortably. Very comfortably, as that just happened. Uh, you can find our other previews on YouTube. We got some more dropping this week as well for the NFC. Search Irish NFL Show on YouTube. Thanks to everyone for like, honestly, that blown away by the support on YouTube recently as well. And our podcast, Search Irish NFL Show. Please, folks, if you can, like, share, subscribe, leave a rating, uh, and share the podcast as well. It means an awful lot to us. We'll be back soon for more previews, and we'll have some stuff on kickoff week as well. Uh, all good. Don't